back to Well, That's Interesting, the Life Finds a Way edition. Today's episode 119, Plants Pass Gas That Can Help Us Find Extraterrestrial Life and Earliest Known Mammal So Far. That's right. <laughs> this is exciting. It's so exciting. Oh, my God. Uh, my friends, I'm Jill Chacha. And as you could tell by that glorious glorious beautiful accent <laughs> i am once again joined by a longtime member of the flock rebecca listeners it's so <laughs> great to be back with you i'm so excited to be here recording my second time right with the awesome jill chacha <laughs> so excited thank you so so much for having me back i'm really really excited to be recording with you again dude i'm so excited thank you for joining us and y'all if this is your first time listening Welcome to the flock. Rebecca and all guests come in cold, learning everything in real time, just like you. Yeah. Not, not a clue, right? <laughs> no, not a clue. Not a clue, honestly. It's, that, that's the most exciting bit yeah. about it, right? Yeah. Just coming in blind. So yeah. as you can tell, I'm so damn excited to have Rebecca on the show once more. And I'm even more excited to drop some fucking news. Okay. <laughs> My friends. My fellow members of the flock, ah, I'm extending the invitation to guest co-host on this show to everyone listening right now. That's right. If you want to come in cold like Rebecca and all the other amazing business geese that have guest co-hosted before, now you can. In the episode description and in all episode, bleh, all I can't even talk. <laughs> all episode mm. descriptions going forward, you'll see a link to a Google form that you can submit to become a guest co-host. Uh. <laughs> people I'm would love to join you jill like this i think is it's gonna be great an, it really is it's such an amazing podcast and you know you are just awesome and we oh. learn so much from you things that we would never have learned before um, so please this is just awesome and yeah. so all of those all, all to those of you who wish to record and be <laughs> a co-host come and join Absolutely. So you heard it from Rebe Rebecca's just beautiful mouth. Guest co-hosting is, <laughs> is a goddamn thrill. I'm fucking excited. I have no idea how it's going to go, but I'm opening up that door. 2023, everybody come up, come on in. Just bring all your shit to the table and let's just do this together. And here's a question for you, Jill. What yeah. sort of co-host are you looking for? Oh my God. Uh, if, if you're listening to this show, you're the perfect person. Yeah. Yeah. And just bring yourself your curious wonderful self to the table and it's you know it's and it's just it's just a conversation at the end of the day we're learning some horrible interesting beautiful stuff <laughs> and we love it we yeah. love we love listening we love learning about this stuff um and you know Jill and I are currently three and a half thousand miles away from each other but yet we're still making this work so Absolutely. you know you can be i correct me if i'm wrong you can be based anywhere right anywhere anywhere on the above world. ground underground <laughs> <laughs> love it absolutely Come anywhere you are us. so it's so so damn exciting so that's the big news folks so please consider just hopping on the show with me and let's do some uh let's do some fucking podcasting so today my friends we have two wild discoveries each vastly different but they do have something in common fucking life that's right in the first half of the show we're going to touch upon a topic we've brought up in a previous episode where the hell is everyone 
in regards to the universe, right? Well, some researchers found an ingenious way to detect possible life out there, and it's through plants, of all things. Turns out, plants pass all sorts of gas. <laughs> and if we can detect certain compounds in the atmospheres, well, that could provide compelling evidence of life on other planets. Who the fuck knew? Mm. And then after the break, we're back on Earth, and boy howdy, we are going way the fuck back in time. Researchers found a very special mammal that's rewriting the timeline as to when us nipple-wearing creatures showed up. Nipple-wearing creatures. Have I ever heard a term so amazing before? Um, I'm definitely going to be using that. And that is, Please. this is a very exciting podcast to be talking about nipple-wearing creatures. <laughs> nipple-wearing creatures, bring it up, you know, uh, bring up the next meeting, you know, yeah. dinner table, bring it up. So, yeah. <laughs> shall we begin? All right. To do so, all we need to do is look up. <laughs> She's looking up. <laughs> and we just so happened to be hanging out with two ingenious folks, Mikola Leung, a University of California planetary scientist, that's a mouthful, and lead author of a kick-ass study published in the October 2022 issue of Astrophysical Journal. And we are also joined by co-author Eddie Schweiterman, a UC astrobiologist. Sounds daunting. So not only are they smarty pants, but our plant friends have an amazing trick up their sleeves. And I'm totally jealous because it would really come in handy when I'm hungover. So Rebecca, yeah. <laughs> dude, would you like to take turns explaining what the hell I'm talking about? Yeah. So please do tell us what can plants do that'll make you say, Jesus Christ, I could use that. And what implications does this have? I would love to tell you, Jill. So from eurekaalert.org, quote, plants and microorganisms emit gases to help them expel toxins, mm-hmm. end quote. These types of gases are made when organisms add a carbon and three hydrogen atoms to an undesirable chemical element. This process, called methylation, can turn potential toxins into gases that float safely away into the atmosphere. If these gases were to be detected in the atmosphere of, of another planet, they would be suggestive of life somewhere on that planet. There you go. My friends, plants fart away their problems. <laughs> do you think that we could go, do, you, do you think people fart away their problems just in general life on Earth? <laughs> that's a question to you all and a question to you, Jill. Do you think that is the case? It can't just be plants, right? You know, it's... It's a really good way to live, just just to let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I'm sure there's a song. Yes. <laughs> and I'm pretty exactly sure that the this, same. this is what they were intending. <laughs> yeah. It was this. Love it. So, Nicola and Eddie got to thinking, which gas would be the best gas? The most reliable gas when, that, when detected, would suggest complex life exists on a planet. Well, I've got great news. We're going to cut to the chase and name that special gas. All right, drum roll, please. <laughs> I'm Thank currently you. hitting my laptop right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that gas is methyl bromide. Let's say it together. Methyl bromide. Methyl bromide. One, two, three. Methyl, methyl bromide. bromide. <laughs> and as you can tell, uh, you can't spell bromide without bro. 
So I know what you're thinking. What makes this gas our buddy helping us out to detect life? So Rebecca, according to Eureka, what is one reason? Yeah, so quote, methyl bromide has several advantages of other gases traditionally targeted in the search for life outside our solar system. For one, it remains in the atmosphere for a shorter time than traditional biosignature gases. Quote, if you find it, the odds are good it was made not so long ago and that whatever made it is still producing it, end quote, Mm. Michaela said. There you have it. There you have it, my friends. When bromide is detected, we know it's fresh and has been passed recently. So, (laughs) she's just nodding her head. Uh (laughs) Another advantage is that we know for sure that the only way for it to exist is that it's passed by a living thing. Methane, for example, can be passed by both living things and volcanoes and other geological processes. Or like we spoke about, you and me back in episode 111, even decaying organic garbage emits methane. Remember when that mountain blew up? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. That was due to methane, not a living thing. So methyl bromide, however, is a sure bet. This comes from a living creature. So at this point, you're probably thinking, this is great. But there's got to be some con to all these pros, right? Well, yeah, there is. And we actually touched upon it briefly. Um, it exists for a short time in the atmosphere. It dissipates quickly. So, Rebecca, our resident chemist, if you will, uh, please, why is that? What's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. So, quote, ultraviolet radiation from a star's light starts a chemical reaction that breaks up water molecules in the atmosphere, splitting them into products that destroy this gas, end Mm -hmm. quote. There you go. There you have it, my friends. A star like ours in size, for example, makes quick work of methyl bromide. So it turns out this gas, uh, so it turns out that this gas has the best chance of being detected on a planet circling a smaller star. Mikola and Eddie did the calculations and our best odds of finding it would be on a planet orbiting something adorably called an M dwarf star. Now, what the fuck is that? <laughs> What's what the an fuck M-dwarf? is that? Honestly, according to Eureka, M dwarfs are smaller and cooler than our sun and produce less of the type of UV radiation that leads to the breakup of water, giving plant farts, you know, a surviving chance and they can linger longer in the atmosphere. Nice. (laughs) So luckily, all right, get this. M dwarfs are more than 10 times as common than stars like our own. So they're super abundant out in the universe. Astrobiologists can have their fucking pick of the litter when conducting their research. How about that? So speaking of which, Rebecca, what exists now, or shall I say, what will exist to help sniff out this gas in the not-too-distant future? Well, I would love to tell you. So, quote, (laughs) through the James Webb Space Telescope isn't particularly optimized to detect Earth-like planetary atmospheres around other stars some extremely large grounded-based telescopes coming online at the end of the decade will be. And they will be better suited to analyse the composition of those planets' atmospheres. The UCR research team is also set to investigate the potential for other methylated gases to serve as targets in the search for extraterrestrial life. 
We believe methyl bromide is one of those gases commonly made by organisms on Earth that may provide compelling evidence of life from afar. This one is just the tip of the iceberg. End mm-hmm. quote, said Eddie. There you go, my friends. More signature farts may await us in the future, which is exciting. I cannot, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> Love and Rebecca, it. I will be asking you back on the show for that episode when we get please an update. <laughs> i would love to there's I a theme with more. you <laughs> yeah there's definitely a theme and i'm here for it you know every time you want to talk about gases you know bring me along that's right gases from any end <laughs> <laughs> definitely. so after the break we are back on earth and i cannot wait to introduce you to a little itty bitty creature making history all right stay tuned and we're back. We are so back. And my friends, hold on to your butts. During the break, we traveled back in time, just a few hundred million years. Rebecca, please do us the honor and tell us, as reported by Rachel Funnel of IFL Science, when are we and what record-breaking animal would we find here? <laughs> well, quote, the earliest known mammal is a shrew that burrowed beneath the oldest dinosaurs, t- 225 million years ago end quote yeah a little shrew but my friends this is a pretty goddamn big deal and we're going to break down why in a minute but first i'd like to introduce you to dr martha richter who can i just ask yeah what is a shrew ah so a shrew is like um a tiny burrowing mammal oh nice think of like a chipmunk yeah like a chipmunk or a woodland creature and are they particularly common in certain parts of a uh, uh, location? Do you know? Oh, you know, that's a great question. Hold on, let's take a look. I'm going to Google that shit right now. Yeah? Hold on. I've never heard of a shrew before. That might be shrew. super dumb, listeners. I'm sorry. No, not at all. Oh, they're adorable. I highly, highly recommend just take to stop whatever the fuck it is you're doing and take a look at a shrew because they're fucking adorable they are a small mole-like mammal uh they look like okay picture a brown circle that's a shrew (laughs) (laughs) a fluffy brown circle they are they remind me of a a, sort of a between i don't know what do they remind you of yeah kind of like a cross between a mouse and a pixar movie yeah (laughs) yeah definitely they're pretty great yeah and they They are are you can definitely hold one right in the palm of your hand they're pretty goddamn adorable yeah oh my god so my friends absolutely i'll have some photos on our social media stuffs about this shrew they're fucking adorable and apparently they're fucking ancients so my friends let's get on back to dr martha richter now richter is a scientific associate at the Natural History Museum in London. So, Rebecca, I'm sure you know who she is. Basically, <laughs> best friends. <laughs> She's also senior author of this study published in the September 2022 issue of the Journal of Anatomy. Now, get this, okay? Using only a few fossilized teeth, this badass was able to determine, one, yes, this creature was alive around 225 million years ago. Two, it was tiny, I mean, compared to the colossal dinosaurs around it, it probably grew to a maximum length somewhere between 12 and 20 centimeters or four to eight inches. So just take a moment and just imagine 
being four inches long and under a dinosaur foot. <laughs> like, <laughs> You'd be so scared. Terrifying. It's horrible. Jesus. No wonder why we were just, we have all mammals have just suffer with anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Flight or flight mode. Oh my God. And uh, number three, uh, this is the big news. Okay, get this. The teeth prove the animal was definitely mammal. Uh, Brasilodon quadrangularis. Nailed it. Uh, as she named it, was found in what is now the very southern tip of Brazil. And in its shrewy little mouth, it had baby teeth that would eventually shed and adult teeth that would eventually grow in, just like us. Now, this process is called diphodonty, and it's essential to mammalian survival. So, Rebecca, please tell us, as reported by Sci.News, what's the difference between reptilian mouths and ours, and why do we lose our teeth to begin with? Why is this process so damn important? Well, I would love to tell you. So, quote, reptilian dentitions, dentitions? Nailed it. Are different, especially in that that replacement is many for one, or polypythodonty? Nailed it. Perfect. (laughs) In which each each tooth site has tooth regeneration many times over the lifetime to replace damaged ones. Oh, Jill, you're really quoting me with these long words. (laughs) (laughs) You got this. Diffiotonty? Diffiotonty? Diffiotonty. Is a complex and unique phenomenon in regards to tooth replacement. Profound time control changes occur to the skull during this process. For instance, the closure of the secondary palate or the roof of the mouth, which allows young to suckle while breathing at the same time. End quote. That is fucking huge. My friends, this process helps us suckle. And it was in full swing 225 million years ago. And get this, Brasilodon is 20 million years older than the last known mammalian fossil record. And all of this is shaking things up by, by causing a domino effect about when other processes came aboard. Rachel Funnel of IFL Science pointed out Diphodonty has been linked to other super important and unique mammalian traits like endothermy or producing one's own body heat, been linked to live birth and fur. So the discovery of these teeth means those characteristics were probably in full swing at that time too. So needless to say, there's way more critters out there to be found, older ones with even more secrets to tell. And in the meantime, my friends, remember this entire shakeup was all determined from a handful of teeth. So can we get a round of applause for the incredible forensics? Dr. Richter just put her Put this bitch on some cold cases. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wild. And uh, also incredible. All right, Rebecca, you got to see this, okay? Um, there's some amazing artist rendering of what this Brazilodon looked like. And this is a Brazilodon mother and her babies. Please take a look. Please describe this artistic rendering. <laughs> I think it's great of a Brazilodon mother. Honestly, nothing has changed in over 200 million years. Uh, and if you want to take a peek come on over to our social media stuffs Uh, i'll have this artist rendering there as well all right rebecca what is in this painting or it it belongs in the tape (laughs) i mean when was this drawn do you know when i guess pulled together yeah i guess this was drawn up sometime in october when the uh 
when the study came out but that's that's a mom and she's she's pissed <laughs> yeah i mean it's very interesting yeah she's just she's in mid-scream uh, and she's surrounded by her two babies and uh i just 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 reminds there's me there's a dinosaur of... at the back which is also <laughs> also very exciting yeah and it's i love how it's turning its head to look at the creature like what the fuck is happening over there <laughs> it's kind of like rubbernecking when you see like a parent having a breakdown with their yeah. kids. <laughs> that's exactly what this artist rendering is capturing it's it's just a thing of beauty it really is yeah but you know what it's so amazing how someone has pulled that together and envisaged what it would be like 225 years years uh 225 million years ago right just, Incredible. I can't even. I don't even. I don't even remember 2019. So to imagine what 225 million years ago, uh, I cannot wrap my head around it. Shit is just too old, man. Yeah, shit it is really just is. too old. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, everyone. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for joining me today. It was a goddamn pleasure having you on. It's uh, the biggest pleasure to join you. And again, you know, for those who want to join. Yes, and become a co-host to Jill's amazing podcast. I, I, before we started recording, I actually said to Jill, "Can I be a guest again?" And <laughs> hopefully, you'll allow me back on. Please allow. I need me to back beat on. you off with a stick. <laughs> yeah, I'm desperate to join again. I can't wait <laughs> to join. Only if you listeners want to listen to my my voice anymore you might not want to so we'll we'll, we'll see how that pens and um, but honestly it's been the biggest pleasure you have no idea I'm wrapping this up because you know I just feel it's so amazing how you pull all of this information together of just the coolest shit and we are so grateful for you Aww. Jill Chacha well god damn it I'm gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> Love don't do that we need to we need some more interesting stuff don't oh, cry. there's tons of shit there's i have i have at least three months worth of notes i just need co-hosts so everybody hit that link come on over let's do this together it'll be a great time and thank you for listening for rating subscribing telling your friends about you know why it's so important that we suckle <laughs> oh it's important my friends it's so important <laughs> it will it will get you later in life if you don't that's right it's all about nipples at the end of the day yeah so thank you thank you again and please stay interesting <laughs>